You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Okay, 10 seconds, 10 seconds. Spirituality, what is it? That was great. Our students all look very animated. The teens actually I look like they were into that. That was great. Good job, teens. I, I'd like to know, you guys have to ask what Court and Kendall were talking about. They were cracking up. So um, I'm sure how spirituality is that funny, but um, I'd like to know. I'd like to know. Yeah, what is it? What is this thing? We talk about it. It's one of those things that we talk about in from time. But when you ask people, it means something different. You're going to get a different definition from everybody. If I say, what is a car? What is bread? What is a house? I mean, you're, we're all going to sort of say the same thing. But spirituality is different. It means something different. I don't think there's a wrong answer per se. But it's such a big part of what we're trying to do as Christians. I think it's really important that we talk about and have a better feel for it. Okay, right? Think back to this week. What did you do this week that was spiritual? What did you do this week that was spiritual? I think that's good, right? Discipline. Is there things that I do in the week that are spiritual, that I think of as a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice? And I think this is an important question for us to be thinking about, too. How are you trying to mature spiritually? Right? We don't think of this as like um, a driver's license or a pass to the gym. Spirituality is something you grow in. Something we grow in. Does this just mean going to more yoga classes? I don't think so. I think it means more than that. How are we trying to grow spiritually? So, this is what you guys are talking about today. I want you thinking about this. Here's a couple of definitions. Uh, Rollheiser is uh, sort of a famous writer right now on spirituality. Spirituality is the disciplines and habits we choose to live by. Will either lead to a greater integration or disintegration within our bodies, minds, and souls. And to a greater integration or disintegration in the way um, we are related to God, others, and the cosmic world. That's not going to do you any good, is it? I barely know what that means. It sounds kind of cool, though, right? Integration, disintegration, minds and bodies and soul. Can you tell these words? But, but can you touch that? What does that mean? Can you touch that? Can you hold that? Is that a concrete thing? What is that? Tozer, a very famous Christian spiritual writer, Spirituality is the wellspring of divinity that pulsates, dances, and flows as our source and essence of every soul. Spirituality relates more to your personal search, to finding greater meaning and purpose in your existence. Some elements of spirituality include the following, realities or experiences of the imminent, that's not spelled right, or transcendent nature of the world. Right, and the teens are all going to go home Exactly, they're going to practice this all week. Or the campus students. No, these are great. These are great, but they're not really accessible. They're not really practical, are they? 
I mean, again, that sounds cool. That sounds like something that we might read in a philosophy class. Or, um, you know, again, in, in a well-written book. But is this something I can use on Monday morning going to work or Monday morning going to calculus class or Monday morning going to history class or whatever it might be? How do I use these things? Spirituality is a discipline. It is a practice. It is something to be used. These definitions are hard. They're too clunky. They're not accessible. Spiritual thinking. A couple passages for us just to sort of soften us up a little bit. Jesus says to Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a religious leader, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. A different person, a different mind. There has to be something different about you that isn't the first thing, that isn't the worldly thing. We all get that, I think. He's talking. Before, Jesus says this, you people, you people, and again, he's talking a lot to um, religious leaders here, you're always seeing, but you're never perceiving. You're always seeing, but you're never perceiving. No spirituality. Right? And think about this. This is a discussion. I think this is something that people are talking about a lot, right? What's the difference between being spiritual and being religious? The difference. Isn't there, right? Right? Just in saying that, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being religious, that's not the same thing as being spiritual. Jesus, but if you do something that's not religious, but is spiritual. There was a lot of religion in Jerusalem and in Israel during Jesus' time. He didn't add very much. Didn't add anything to their religion. He added everything to their spirituality, to their understanding of what was going on around them. That's where we need to be moving. Paul says about the Gospel in 1 Corinthians 1 that the message of the cross is foolishness. It doesn't even make any sense. It's a stupid message. It's not a good message. It's not a message that the world is going to understand. It's not respectable. It's not going to get you, you know, it's not going to get you a promotion at work. It's not going to uh, help your reputation. You're not going to get a lot of likes on this message. That the world's going to look at this message and go, that's stupid, that's foolish. But again, after this, is, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power and the wisdom of God. It's the power and the wisdom of God. And I want to speak directly to you right now. You're thinking about a lot of different things. And a lot of us, we think our thoughts are out of control or our motions, uh, that our motions are out of control. This one is a little more practical. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10 that the spiritual person, spirituality, spiritual thinking means I can take any or every thought of my brain, of which there are many, captive, they don't hijack my brain nor my emotions, and I can force them, shape them into something else. You're not a hostage 
nor a victim to your thinking nor your emotions. But most of us have the same thoughts and the same emotions day after day after day after day. This speaks, I think, directly to change. And that's, again, spirituality is not about doing as much as it is about change and transformation. Being able to be a different man. Being able to be a different woman. Being able to grow and or mature. Being able to let a thing go. Taking a thought captive. And make it obedient to the the cross. What great language. What great tools for us. And again, this makes me think of a Clark Kent who's just what? Clark's just a news reporter. But he's more than that, isn't he? Puts on that fancy little cape of his and those sweet little spandexies. Man, he turns into Superman. Right? Diana Prince, the army nurse. Isn't she an army nurse? Right? Army nurse. And she puts on those sweet bracelets and uh, look out! It's Wonder Woman. Got to get some of them sweet bracelets. Got Frodo. He's just, you know, your garden variety hobbit. Right? That's a lot of us. Just we're sort of garden variety hobbits. Wow, but he gets that ring and that transforms him. He never looks at the world the same way again. He puts that ring on and he sees, what are they? Nazgals and horses and uh, all the, uh, a completely different realm and world. And faith, your spirituality, in the exact same way as a ring that you put on and it changes the world as you see it. It's a cape that you put on and transforms your experience. It's magic bracelets that you put on for strength and protection. Spirituality, spiritual faith. This is what Jesus is trying to bring us. So back to all those definitions. I don't think they work very well because you'll never remember them. But I think you can think of spirituality, I think we can remember this, right, as a kind of lens, have an experience, right? I'm outside driving and it hurts, right? right? I put on sunglasses. Wow, and the world looks different. I can open my eyes. There's no glare. Spirituality, I want you to think of spirituality as a lens. Again, I, you know, I, I, old man here. I'm not seeing very good. That's a lot of scribble. Oh, I put my lens on. Now I can read the thing and I can understand letters and letters. Words and words make sentences. My whole existence is transformed. Spirituality as a lens. That's what we want to be talking about. That's what I want you taking home today. Not religion is a duty. But spirituality as a lens. How you see your family. How you see your wife. How you see your husband. How you see your kids. How you see your job. How you see our church. How you see your community. How you see your history. How you see your past all looks a certain way. All those things have a narrative. But when you put a lens on a spiritual lens, it transforms the landscape. Um, Let me come back to that. Look at John chapter six and let's read with me here. If you would, in John chapter six, John chapter six, big passage, big pass, big chapter. 
So much has happened in this chapter. This would be a great chapter for you this week. Jesus feeds the 5,000. That's a lot. It's a big Thanksgiving. Then he goes on to walk on water. I mean, it's one hit after another. That's, big. That's awesome, walking on water. So he's, um, he's experiencing one of the few times in his ministry of great popularity. He's got a lot of people with him right now. And now they're still hungry in, in verse 30 again. And, and you're talking about a time with huge crowds of people. And I'm just going to pick this up in verse 30, uh, 35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never go thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me and them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble um, about Him because He said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can He now say, I come down from heaven? Verse 43, stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay, let me pause here. Again, remember, what, what do we have? Huge crowd in a pond. Jesus starts teaching. And this is going to be a very Jewish message because he's drawing upon the Exodus. He's drawing upon the time of wilderness, going through the wilderness, and God feeding them with bread from heaven that they called manna. And every day God would give them manna, and the manna only lasts for a day, but it sustained them. Yes, right? And now Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. The thing that's going to sustain you. The thing that's from God. Now again, be mindful of this Jewishness in this message. This would have been, this would have been actually hard to hear. Really hard to hear. Um, the Jews are very sensitive about their, about kosher, the kosher laws, the food laws. This was not a kosher idea. This is cannibalism. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. It's a strange message. It's cannibalism. This would not have been popular. This just would have been thought of as, uh, uh, um, what's he talking about? It just sounds crazy. It just sounds crazy. And so what do they start doing? He's making himself out to be this guy. He's using this language, the I am. And of course, uh, great language. At this, they started grumbling. They started grumbling. They didn't like his message. They started grumbling. All right? A grumble. Now I want you to think about your grumbles. You all have a grumble. It's a great word. Goguza to grumble. Goguza is the Greek word. Goguza. The teens, right? Campus, you guys will like this. Let's all say it together. One, two, three. Goguza. Yeah, yeah. See, you got to sort of, I think you got to make that Z ring. Goguza to grumble. Every single one of you has something in your life you don't like. 
Every single one of you has something you want that you don't have. Every single one of us gets husbands literally hungry every day and we start to grumble. All husbands have a grumble with their wives. All wives have a grumble with their husbands. All parents have a grumble with their children. And all children have a grumble with their parents. All students will grumble towards a teacher and or an assignment. All of us will grumble about our appearance and what we have and we don't have. We all grumble about not having enough money. We all grumble about not having enough life. We all grumble about not having a good boss or the boss we want or the job we want. And your grumbles, if you don't grumble, they end up defining your life. Your life is a grumble. The thing you don't have or the thing you have you don't want. And that grumble has great purpose in it. It's to make you see there's two ways of thinking. There is worldly thinking. Of which we've all grown up in. And it leads to much grumbling. Much unhappiness. That's the word. To utter discontentment. Go gooza. To utter discontentment. And we all look at somebody. We all look at somebody. Joe. God, Joe. Time I'm going to knock. Joe's life. So perfect. So easy. Here, Joe complaining. Joe's got nothing to come. If Joe complains one more time, I'm going to knock him on his rear end. Right? Jesus is challenging us with this language, with these words. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Eat my flesh, drink my blood? That doesn't sound right. This isn't a good message. This isn't a good message. This isn't a good class. This isn't a good marriage. This isn't a good home. This isn't a good job. This isn't what I wanted. A grumble. But grumbles are hard to stop. Grumbles, once they start, are hard to stop. How are you going to stop your grumbling? Because there isn't really anybody else that's thinking about your complaints and stopping your grumbling. Nobody's really thinking about that. You're thinking about your grumbling, and the person next to you is thinking about their grumbling, and, and that's how it goes all the way down the line. Come on down here. Um, again, for time's sake, let me just go to the end of this text. And in verse 61, Jesus says this, Aware that his disciples, same word, We're grumbling about this. Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Here we go, church. Here we go. The Spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. The Spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. Right? you got to just let this sink in. The Spirit counts for, gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. But we all live in the flesh. You can't get out of it. Well, you can get out of it. And amen. If you do it right, you're going to go to heaven. Amen. Right? Right? But... But that's not supposed to shape our experience. My hunger, my tiredness, my grumbling and discontentment. That shouldn't be what defines my experience. Jesus says, I have food that you know nothing about. But he wasn't hungry. He wasn't talking about real bread. Have you ever been hungry? Yes. 
And then thought, I'm so grouchy right now. I just can't even think until I get something to eat. No, you know what? I need to try and not be hungry. I need to try and think about something else, right? Yeah, that's sort of the idea. Jesus is saying, hey, there's something going on in your soul, in your spirit, that is more satisfying literally than taking food and or water. And you have access to it all of the time. The flesh gives life. The spirit gives life. And the flesh counts for nothing. And we spend so much time working on the body, living in the body, but it counts for nothing. And it's the spirit that you want to feed. It's the spirit that you've got to take, pay attention to. It's your spirit that needs to grow. It's your spirit that needs to be fed. It's your spirit that needs water and needs to flourish. The body, it's a tent, right? Second Corinthians 5. It's just a tent. It's going to roll up and go away. It's the spirit, though, that Jesus is trying to get us to pay attention to. And the grumbling helps us actually pay attention to it. Um... The Franciscans and Thomas Merton would pick this up later. Uh, they had this idea called, um, uh, sorry, here it is, Felix Culpa. 15, the Franciscans sort of started this. They sang songs called Felix, they had this song called Felix Culpa. And these monks would sing the song, Felix Culpa. And the word is very simple, happy faults, happy faults. And, and later one of their famous monks would say something like, first the fall, then the rise from the fall, both are a grace of God. If you don't fall, you'll never, you'll never experience resurrection. If you don't hunger, you'll never experience being full. If you don't thirst, you'll never experience being satisfied. So you have something, a fault, you have something that's not going right, you have something that's hurting you. And Jesus is saying, ah, that's right, that's by design. Felix Culpa, we sort of honor that happy fault because it leads us away from the flesh and towards the Spirit. So you honor it. You go, hey, that pain, that discontentment, that hurt, it's supposed to be teaching me something. It's supposed to be telling me something. Richard Rohr, famous writer who we all like a lot. All great spirituality is about what we do with our pain. Right? We take our pain. It always hurts us. It floods the mind. We get upset. Spirituality helps us channel pain back into meaning, back into purpose. I want to read one more passage, sort of in closing. i got a little homework for you. Look at this passage again. I just think it complements John 8 so well. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Beautiful passage about comparing, again, life in the flesh, uh, thinking in the flesh, Life in the Spirit, thinking about the Spirit. We are grown up culturally to pay attention and measure everything in the flesh. Jesus, and of course now Paul, have picked up on this and saying, this is upside down, this is totally wrong, we need a totally different mind. Verse 5, chapter 8. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires, but those who live according with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Now again, review back this week. How much life did you experience? How much peace did you experience? That, that comes directly from the Spirit. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. 
This is where he's leading us. So a little homework for us. I want you to go out and take a walk, talk to a spouse, talk to a friend, talk to a roommate and put on a new lens. And do a little review, a little survey of your week, a little survey of life. View your frustrations, name them. My my frustration is my boss. My frustration is my students. My frustration is my home. My frustration is fill in the blank. View them. Review them. Name them. And then you put on a lens. And again, think about what your frustration is teaching us. Where is it leading you? Where is it supposed to where is it supposed to go? View your emotions. Name them. Where's this anger coming from? How much? Why angry every day? Why so much sadness? Why can't I get the sad? Why is sadness there every day? View this thing. Name it. What is it? Right? And then we put on this lens. We read John 6. We read Romans 8. And we think about, what's Jesus trying to see? Review your time. I want you to review your time. Because again, I don't think spirituality is another yoga class. I think it's a spiritual discipline. And we talk about this a lot in the church, right? About quiet time. So it's spending daily time reading the Bible, daily time reading, daily time praying. But that again is not just a religious thing that I've done. It's supposed to be preparing me to have a spiritual frame or lens throughout the day to be able to walk with God and stay connected to Him throughout the day. But this is a discipline. This is a muscle. This is something that's developed. Spiritual discipline. Choose a discipline that you want to grow in, a spiritual discipline to grow in. And it will be reflected in time spent. And again, review your expectations. What is it that you expect from life? Too many of us, way too many of us, even in the church, we, we act way too much entitlement. If I don't get what I spouse, what I'm going to have, if I don't get the things that I'm supposed to have, if I don't have a great phone, if I don't have a great spouse, if I don't have a great car, and we get so upset, and there's just, we just kind of reek of entitlement. Our whole culture reeks of entitlement right now. Jesus didn't expect a new home and a new car and a great spouse and great kids and great bosses and all these things. He's pretty much homeless and just walked around for three years, touching lepers, teaching, and most people not accepting his message. It would have been a very frustrating life. What do you expect? I want you to review your expectations. And then put on a spiritual, some glasses, some spiritual glasses, and think again again what it is you expect from life. What it is you expect from being a Christian and living the Christian life. And with that, I just want to close. We're going to have our kids come on up. Come on up, kids. We're going to sing from, with, with this great group in closing. And think about this. All spiritual disciplines, all spiritual disciplines have one purpose. To get rid of worldly illusions so we can be present. So as we close and listen to the kids sing, be present. Think about God singing kind of his voice through the kids, leading us to think spiritually about our lives, about what Jesus is trying to do. God bless the church. Us and how we live as godly Christian people. God bless you. God bless the church. You've just listened to the Westside Podcast. 
for more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.